Hi, everyone, and welcome to Just a Fad Podcast. I'm Blaine, and my buddy Greg and I are just two foster and adoptive dads excited to talk with other dads about faith, family, and fatherhood. Oh, and uh, Blaine, don't forget about the dad jokes. Uh, yes, there'll definitely be plenty of dad jokes as well. This is Just a Fad. In our first series for Just a Fad, we thought it would be really helpful to introduce you to some dads with different types of foster and adoption experiences. Um, as you're going to hear from their stories, the journey to fostering and adopting can look very different, and it's a very unique story for each family. But there's also a lot of commonalities you're going to hear that cross over between different families. Today, we're sharing a conversation that we had with Brian Troyer. He's an international adoptive dad, and Brian shares a lot about the ups and downs of their adoption journey. Uh, he had some really cool insights on what it's like to go through a long process and then suddenly find yourself being a dad. It's almost as scary as a dog actually catching a car. <laughs> I mean, I think you're right about that. I, I think one of Brian's best insights really came to the end of his conversation when he talks about growing into the dad role in his son's life. You know, as dads and especially as adoptive dads, we really can't assume that we have all the rights and privileges of a father to the kids in our home. We need to look for ways to earn and to grow into that role. Exactly. All right. So let's check out our conversation with Brian. To get us started, we asked Brian to give us his best dad joke because part of growing into being a good dad is getting that good dad joke humor. That's absolutely right. All right, here it goes. All right, so, Brian. You want some dad jokes? Get us started. Tell us your best or worst dad jokes. I think those things are the same with dad jokes. That, that's very likely true, yeah. Um, so the first one is, is just kind of, it's, it's a common common one in Christian circles, but uh, how does Moses make his coffee? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm so excited. He brews it. Uh, of course, of course he does. The part of waking up is the chosen cup. <laughs> the chosen <laughs> cup. That's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. You got another one? Um, what What did my, my grandfather tell me right before he kicked the bucket? <laughs> I, I don't know. Watch how far I can kick this bucket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so How good. far did he kick it? That's, good. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. He's a long that's line a of bucket question. kickers. <laughs> it's pretty far. Uh, yeah. uh, we've been kicking buckets for a long time in my family. A long time. Here's a bucket oh. my great-great-granddaddy kicked. Yes. pretty awesome. Now that you're introduced to Brian's uh, sense of humor, which we've learned is just classic right there, uh, Brian, why don't you tell us just a couple things just to kind of introduce us to you and your family a little bit of kind of who you guys are as a family. Sure. So my name is Brian Troyer. I'm a, I'm a marriage and family therapist. My wife's name is Callie, and we've been married for about seven years. Um, our son's name is Gideon. He is four and a half, and we adopted him at two years old from South Korea. Yeah, that's good. He memorized those numbers, too. He didn't even flinch at the seven years married. Uh, that's a good, it's a good sign. Out of curiosity, making sure you know how long you've been married, what year in marriage therapy training did they go over that? Remembering like, how, how are, long. Like just, no, just for a good marriage, you should probably just know how long you've been married. Out of care, not because Blaine doesn't remember. <laughs> that's not why I'm asking. I'm just wondering for the audience. I do remember. I'm bad at math. 
That's <laughs> why I avoid that. It's 2003. I can tell you the year. Okay. I'm bad at the math of figuring out how many years that has been. All right. That's fantastic. my challenge. You know, we're going to let that slide. <laughs> yeah. Technicality. Te- on yeah. technicality. Way to, way to get off on a technicality. Well yeah. done. So, so you guys uh, married seven years, got Gideon at home. And uh, Gideon, by the way, is the cutest, one of the cutest kids I know. And super happy and fun. Smiley is one of my favorite people to see on Facebook uh, when I when they share some pictures. Uh, but as you said, you guys adopted Gideon. So how did that how did that journey start for you guys? When did you guys decide, hey, ad- adoption's the path we're going to take as a family, and and that's a route we're going to go down? Yeah, um, actually, our first date was when the topic came up. Um, both of us had grandparents who were adopted, um, and I think had just kind of assumed that was going to be part of our, our family story uh, eventually, whether it was with each other or not. Um, so it was always on the table. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we, we got married right out of college, and then I started grad school two weeks later. So it was kind of on, on hold for a little bit, just life, life status-wise. Yeah. Um, but we sponsored some kiddos um, immediately after after we got married and one of them's name was Gideon and we oh, got wow. we got really invested in him we, we um, you know kept up with the family he was with and um, sponsored him for a long time and he unexpectedly passed away mm. and and something about that God God used that as the hey that now now go ahead and and start start looking and get started in some mm-hmm. way. and and there were a, just open door after open door after open door of a program in Taiwan. Um, some of our friends worked at an orphanage there that had um, a fast track for young couples who didn't have kids that was, you know, half the cost of all these other programs we looked at. Um, and so it just looked like the perfect opportunity. And right before we submitted our paperwork, they closed down. And that was really, really difficult because it had felt like, you know, this whole six month process was just yes, 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 yes. And then it was just this inexplicable no, um, that we didn't have a good reason for. Um, I think it's always, it's always easier to accept no's from God when you can kind of see the within context, like, oh, okay, God, I get that. But this one just didn't make any sense to us. Um, so we, we reached back out to the, the organization we were going through and, and basically said, Hey, you know, we thought this was it clearly wasn't what, what do you guys think? And they kind of pointed us towards South Korea. It was a a similar program. Um, and, uh, one of the hardest parts about the, the process was this single sheet of paper. Actually, I think it was front and back, but it was the, uh, basically the, which special needs are you open to list? And if, if you've never sat down and <laughs> thought about that before, you know which which special needs am I am I open to with a future child? You know, am I open to a a, a kid who is paralyzed? Am I open to a kid who has who is blind or who is deaf or yeah. you know much more minor things too? It it almost felt a little bit like a you know I, I don't mind mean this in a crude way, but almost like a, a build a child kind of situation in reverse, right? Yeah. It's it's what do what, I want to rule out? Yeah, what do you want to make sure you don't have to deal with with your yeah. child which, which is a hard thing to answer right yeah you know? because every every no checkbox felt like we were telling god no to you know something that he could potentially be calling us for um so we we checked our our, our boxes and submitted our paperwork after a long process um and then shortly after we submitted the paperwork uh, we got a call and 
our organization asked if we wanted to review some children on the waiting list, which are older kids who are getting close to aging out or kids with special needs, because the vast majority of adoptive parents um, kind of get on the tracks and they say, young, young as possible, as healthy as possible. Mm-hmm. And so the kids who don't fit that criteria are more difficult to be matched. So they get put on a waiting list that you don't have to match with. Um, so they sent us they sent us Gideon's file, um, and I, I remember I was at work in Indiana, and I, I opened the email, and it was just more, I think, more clear than probably any point in my life. It was just like a, like a whomp, like a good kind of whomp. It's not a great description, but just like the piece of um, just the, the gravity of the situation paired with like yeah, this this is right. This is a fit. Yeah. This is some kind of just initial fit that happens there. Yeah. Wow. So immediately uh, called Callie, talked about it very briefly. She felt the same way. So uh, we emailed back pretty quickly and asked for the file. Um, and in Korea, they anything that is abnormal um, in terms of de- development, they want an expl- explanation for. Um, so he had some delays at, um, that were part of his file that they weren't sure about. They said they were just kind of watching it. Um, and we had our developmental specialist look through it. No no major red flags. So we said yes. Um, and then it was a 14-month process. Um, but part of the reason that it took longer than normal was because needs kept coming out as he got older. Um, and in Korea, basically, if the child isn't, you know, genetically perfect, um, then they kind of lump them into unadoptable. Um, Mm -hmm. and so he, he had some unexplained developmental delays and they just assumed that we would say no and back out. So they didn't pass our paperwork forward. And that was a frustrating delay of three months for no reason. Um, but, or what felt like no reason to us. Um, and then, Long story short, we, we eventually made it and, and brought him home, and he's doing fantastic. And his his needs haven't gone away, but there's such a cool part of who he is. Like, he's the most joyful kid I think I've ever seen and just such a light in our family. Yeah. Man, that is awesome. Now, I'm going to not be doing my job if I don't say let's – like I didn't want to interrupt because it's a really, really amazing story where – Obviously, I know where he's going with yes. this. I know exactly where he's going. Because I recently found out that Blaine, too, brought up adoption on his first date with yes. his wife. So now this means two people that I've met that on their first date with what would become their spouse said, yeah, let's get to know each other. Where are you from? Okay, cool. How do you feel about kids? Like how 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 do you what, feel about adopting what, kids? Yeah, not like, even just kids. Whatever kind of kids we're talking about, adopted, built, it doesn't matter. <laughs> really, I think I think it's really a game? lesson. I think if somehow some uh, teen or college age boy has tuned into this podcast, he has just learned a great <laughs> strategy for attracting the right. Spouse. Well, you're saying that I don't listen, guys. Okay, <laughs> like, you start bringing that up, they may expect it to happen. I'm just saying. All right, and and, and quite frankly, you you your first date, and you were like, yeah, let's talk about adopting in the future. <laughs> like, 
So if if I remember right, to be fair, it wasn't, hey, let's talk about adopting together. It was, hey, let's discuss adoption as an idea. We know what you meant. We know what you meant, okay? We know that where this is going. I'm just saying, way to to play hard to get, okay? Like, that's what you guys are really... Yeah, we were playing our cards on the table. Oh, my gosh. Again, I told you earlier, I had no game in that scenario. (laughs) I was doing whatever I could to to secure this quickly. Um, We talk about kids, maybe they won't smell desperation. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Uh, I wanted to ask because you mentioned it real quick early on, but like you said, you both both of you had grandparents that were adopted. How much did you guys know about that piece of their story when you were we were growing up? Because I think all of us like we have kids now that are going to be adoptive kids in the future, and just I'm curious. I've not known anybody had a family that in this was part of their family story, so I wonder just how pop how much was that known in your family story. And talked about. Yeah, I can't. I can't speak to Callie's family quite as much, but um, it was it was very openly talked about in my family. Uh, partly because of how broken, uh, I, I guess, the contrast between like the trajectory of what my what my grandfather's life could have looked like and what mm. his what his family tree looks like now. Um, that he has, you know, my my grandparents have, uh, you know, thirteen grandkids and their spouses and great grandkids now that are you know all following the Lord and. Mm. Um, you know, all healthy families, all yeah. all doing very well, and his biological siblings that he still kind of keeps up with are you know in and out of jail still or um, have substance abuse issues. And I think for us as grandkids, our grandfather we called him Papa, still call him Papa. Yeah. Um. So Papa always kind of um, he held that up not as a pride thing in himself at all, but just as a, a very clear um, illustration of redemption, I think. Wow. That's cool, man. I think it's really cool. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Just that testament. I think if we're going to sit in here and talk about fatherhood, I mean, there's a great example of how do you, how do you, how does this become an opportunity both for us now that are, that are, have kids in our homes that we're trying to be a, a good dad and a good father to, but also what is that going to mean for, the kids they have, the generations that we're, we're impacting. And that's just a cool example. Um, cause it also then plants the seed for you guys that Gideon's here today, mm-hmm. uh, partly because of that. That's really cool. That is that. cool. And yeah. it's, it's also, it's reassuring too. Cause we've said in our family a few times when we're facing some hard times or something seems exceptionally difficult that we have to remind ourselves that, Hey, what we're trying to do here is to undo or break what may be, generations of of problems and generations of yeah. of issues that it's not going to go quietly <laughs> it's yeah. going it's going to take work and you have to be intentional about it and there's a lot of reward that yeah. can that can be had in it yeah for yeah. sure i think that's for sure uh w- tell us more cuz you you mentioned it the the kind of there's this long list of things that you check off when you're going through the process I think even Greg, I think even in the foster care, and I know in the mm-hmm. domestic world, there's there's some sense of that for domestic adoption a little different because you're you're talking about maybe what the birth mother has has mm-hmm. experienced or potentially knows about. Um, but what is I think special needs too is this kind of category of things that for most people when they hear it connotes certain things. Mm-hmm. But that list I think too is a lot longer and wider than what we we think of sometimes what we think of when when you picture an image a special needs child that's not always what that list kind of includes and the kids what the kids on that list would look like yeah and that's a good point um so in korea 
just being two was a special need. Yeah. Um, just being older than was typically adoptable. Um, it can be anything from as minor as a birthmark up to, you know, severe, like they're never going to be medically independent kinds of needs. But you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it's definitely not all things that we would, you know, stateside determine as special needs. Yeah. A lot of them are perfectly correctable. Um, you know, it's some, some of the medical issues just are not permanent at all and are easily addressable. It's just maybe the, you know, the home country doesn't have the, the capacity for it or for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and then again, some are more severe and, or, or longer term. Um, but you're, you're right that it runs the gamut for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think in the foster care world, often we, we refer to kids that are, uh, kids that have special needs are often just kids over age 10 yeah. because they're, they're a child that there's a special need for someone to adopt them is really what it is. Um, and so, um, the, the need is not often something the kid has or an issue or a challenge that they have, but it's the reality that there aren't people out there willing to say yes. Yeah. And that's why it becomes a special need. Uh, yeah. So it's a weird term, yeah. but I think it's worth and, explaining. And some of that is like, like the things you were talking about in Korea are, are actually pretty similar here in the States. Yeah. Like they don't, the, at least the state that we're in is actually working towards rebranding some of those programs to not be special needs because special needs has become has been defined more more specifically to a different subset of, of, of yeah. issues and things along those lines. But, I mean, back in the, like, 70s, I think, is when they started the special needs adoption programs. And it was, and still is, if you're not, if you are not Caucasian and you're over the age of six months, you're in that program. You qualify. Yeah. Because statistically, you're not seen as adoptable. Yeah. So it's a lot of the it, same things here in the States as it was in Korea. Just we have different branding now. It's called something different now. Right. And again, it, it goes back to that's where the it's the parents coming into the programs. Mm -hmm. And yeah. this is what they're looking for. And so even in the Korean program, they're trying to think, what would parents be looking for? And let's put kids in the list that are going to be the kids that they're going to say yes to and that they're going to. And so we're 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 letting that be the guiding force for the kids that are adoptable instead of, I think, you know, one of the things I would love to say to those of you listening that are, that are new, that are starting this journey, Hey man, think and pray hard mm -hmm. about what God might have in store for you. Um, and be willing to say yes to some things that God might have for you mm -hmm. and, because and, it's saying yes to a kid really. And, and to that point, it does not diminish the value of the child at all like to make that clear. Um, it, like you're saying, it's much more. Hey, these are the these are the specific characteristics that are outside of the main, um, you know, typically acceptable. What parents are looking for in an yeah. adoption. Yeah, yeah. And to define the kid by that isn't isn't really fair. Yeah. So once you guys were matched, once you guys were matched with Gideon, um, what did that the next steps look like for you guys and getting to connect them? I know you said it was there was a process to it for sure of kind of finding out, but once you guys kind of agreed, okay, we're on board, we've seen some of the developmental stuff, but we're we're good with that, we're ready to go forward. What's the process start to look like? Yeah, diff it's different by country. Um, our situation, um, like I said, when we got his file, we we coordinated with a, a an adoption specialist who who deals with developmental 
disabilities um, just to get clarification on some, you know, some of the terminology is funky or like, hey, I have no idea what this medical <laughs> wording means, um, just to get some answers on that. Um, but then it, our process, like I said, th needs kept coming out as we went. And every time that happened, um, it, whether or not it was a clear explanation, we would check back in. Uh, Korea would check back in with us. Like I said, they, they sometimes just assumed that, oh, this is the time they're going to back out. And so they would stall on the paperwork, um, which was really frustrating. When they contacted you, was it a phone call or an email or were they calling and like, hi, this came up. And you're like, okay, we're in. Really? <laughs> like, was, was it along those lines? So uh, more frustrating than that because they used our organization as, as a, a middleman. I mean, that's their job. Yeah. But it, that delayed it further because, mm -hmm. you know, comes in at 5 o'clock on a Friday and, oh, there's another few days added on. And yeah. once you've been matched with a child every single day that you don't have that child is extremely difficult. Mm, wow, and yeah. So to stretch to 14 months was was really hard. And I, I know, you know, we have walked alongside many, many other adoptive families that have significantly longer journeys than we did. And, and knowing what 14 months is like, I can't imagine what, you know, two or three years is like. Um, but it was it was a lot of just you know, bureaucratic hoops, um, U.S. government, Korea government, uh, just doing a bunch of paperwork and, you know, background checks and psychological evaluations and yeah. uh, all kinds of things to make sure that we weren't crazy and weren't going to, you know, kidnap this kid and, and sell him or something like that. Yeah. Aren't you glad we didn't have to do psych evaluations for ours? I think I'm glad. You're probably very glad, Greg, that you didn't have to do that. Are you kidding your... me? I've memorized every psych evaluation out there. I know the right answers. <laughs> <laughs> I stay gainfully employed. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just another, bar it's another barrier on international adoption. Uh, the, the paths are a little bit different yeah. in how you kind of go through it. All right. So we get through all the mess and all the paperwork. What does it look like? What are the next steps like for you guys? So there's two... Um, two visits. Some some families merge them, um, but there's a mandatory two week period in between the meeting meeting the child and bringing the child home, um, because Korea wants to give um, birth parents as many possible options of of changing their minds as possible. Um, so we flew over to Korea, um, stayed for a week the first time, and got to meet Gideon about halfway through that trip after we had gone to court. Um, and so that was, you know, we'd seen pictures. That, that was one really neat thing was our agency was really good about sending us pictures uh, from his, his foster family. Mm. Uh, they, they cared about him so well um, and just loved on him. And so we, we got to watch him grow up even from a distance, which was really neat. Um, and we got to send videos and pictures so he, even though he didn't speak English, he recognized our voices and recognized who we were when we showed up, which was really neat. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had the painful, you know, go home for two weeks and sit on it and just think about the, you know, your son who legally wasn't quite ours, but was basically yeah. legally ours. Uh, there's like one more hoop left. Uh, you know, our son is in a different country halfway across the world from us and we won't get to, you know, be a family yet. And so two weeks. What did you do uh, during those two weeks? <laughs> yeah. Like how, how did you like a lot of part or part cheesy or something? <laughs> I mean, like I, I honestly, I think both of us just tried to jump into just the everyday stuff, uh, that jump into work completely. Um, try not honestly, try not to think about it too much. Mm -hmm. Um, because we knew, you know, thinking about it isn't going to make it go any faster. 
Um, plus, there was a lot of once we got to see him and, and find out for sure what his clothes sizes were and things like that, we could we could finally start preparing his room a little bit more. And so we got that was kind of a nesting period for us too. Um, obviously, with with a wife, she had nested for a while up to that point too. Fourteen yeah. months of <laughs> yeah. of nesting is yeah. is exhausting, but two weeks of intense nesting, um, and then return flight and take custody and stay in country for a week um, because that's how they do it there. And yeah. so we had to be in a hotel room with this new kid who is suddenly ours and doesn't speak English and we don't speak Korean and he eats two things and we don't know how to make one of them. And <laughs> we, it, it was, it was a, it was a very, um, it was a difficult but rewarding time in, in the hotel. There, there was one day uh, Callie had Callie was spent, and she went down to get us subway because we were we both love Korean food, but at that point we just wanted some home. So yeah, yeah, there was a comfort. subway <laughs> around the corner. You wanted something comfort food, and yeah. you went subway meatball <laughs> marinara. That's what you're gonna do. They, that was not on the menu. It was most of them were Korean. Subway. If you'd like to sponsor our podcast, we are open to that. Foster and adoption brought to you by Subway. Hashtag not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> so but she could be. <laughs> it's not too late. <laughs> she left to go get some subway, and I there was genuinely a piece of me that was like, she's not coming back. <laughs> and, and, and like more, like more than just considering, because she was she was at a very very low point. And I found out, you know, a year or so later, she was like, you know, that time I went out to get subway. I, I thought about not coming back because <laughs> wow. it, it was just very yeah. very difficult. Um, and. Like I said, very rewarding because we got to be this presence to this this hurting child who who was grieving in a in a way that he didn't know how and whose world suddenly just got completely changed. Um, but we were we were so ready to come home because yeah. our support network, our family and friends, had been such a a huge piece of our process up to that point that we wanted to share getting with them. Like, yeah. hey hey buddy, <clears throat> here's this this community that you're going to be a part of. Yeah. Was there any part of it that was kind of like a dog who caught the car? Because at that point, you're like 14 months into like paperwork and meetings and hoops and bureaucracy, and and then there's a baby. Now oh. what? <laughs> yeah. And they just left. Like, yeah. here, now you know what to do, obviously. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. even a baby. It's a, it's toddler. a toddler. Yeah, here's they a handed toddler. You a toddler. <laughs> I know that you've not parented before, but... Here's the hardest part. <laughs> yeah. yeah, full disclosure, I had never changed a diaper before. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it was suddenly like, hey, here's a <laughs> here's a size two diaper that yeah. you get to choose. And a kid that can move. Yeah. yeah. Those are even Who's harder. mobile, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fortunately, he wasn't, well, fortunately slash unfortunately, he wasn't super mobile yet. Yeah. Mm. But I think that, that may have helped us a little bit, keep yeah. our sanity. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of the ways. <laughs> T- tell us a little bit more, because this is a unique piece. It's a, unique, a little bit unique to Korea. Some other countries uh, have good fostering programs, but I think that's a unique, unique piece of your all story and of international adoption. Most people that think about international adoption, think about large state run orphanages, tons of kids piled in. And that's where that's a child that I'm adopting from. But for you, for Gideon, Gideon was in a foster family in Korea. So what was that family like? And how did, how do you think that was impactful for him in different ways? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, unfortunately, um, those kinds of orphanages are, are part of a lot of kids' stories. Yeah. Um, so I, 
I almost feel bad sometimes with how good Gideon had it. Um, mm-hmm. His his foster parents were awesome. Like they were, they're the age of my grandparents. Um, so they had an adult son who didn't live with them, and they had fostered for five or six years. And you, it was just that was that was their place in life was to love love on these these babies. Um, sorry, I'm getting getting choked mm. up. <clears throat> That's right. One second. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. I think it is. I think it's powerful that you've got this connection to, to a piece of his life. That's, I think it's great that you could feel that as a dad and you know, he, for the age that he's at, that's going to be so helpful that yeah. you, you have that compassion for them and what they did for him early in life and, and continue selfishly. Like me and my wife have done enough fostering that, like as you're talking, I'm like, oh yeah, they're probably are foster parents in other countries. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I just never yeah, thought yeah. about that role being in another country, and yeah, it's it's good to know that that's out there, and yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, and, and from from what I've heard, that kind of foster system is is more unique to Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just better established, and it's um, it seems like they're they're more selective with their foster families. Yeah, um, but I think just the gratitude of um, you know, especially being familiar with, you know, child development and attachment and, and that kind of stuff, just the, um, the gift that they were able to give. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's such a vital thing. I mean, for, for those of you that are listening that are, are in that, that foster space and having kids come and go in your homes, you know, it, it is a powerful moment to impact the child to, create these opportunities to show care and concern to create attachment bonds and what's beautiful about an attachment bond is uh, attachment isn't a thing that happens from one person to another it's a it's a it's a thing that gets developed and it's a it's a skill really that kids are even learning that allows them to then attach and bond with other people so when it gets developed for a kid early on in life and that what that means is it can then they can have attachment, they can have bonds with other kids. And so that's what they're doing, yeah. right? They're creating that ability for a child to bond, which is then beautiful for their potential future adoptive family that that gets to happen. Yeah. So that's super cool. That's and so awesome. the attachment piece specifically was such a blessing, you know, on, on top of Gideon's developmental needs, like he didn't have an attachment need. Mm-hmm. And to, to be able to transfer attachment, I mean, obviously there was, there was grief and there was pain involved, yeah. but... He, he still had it to transfer, mm-hmm. and yeah. that is not true for, for many, many kids. Right. And good job for you all to maintain that and to make sure that he gets to keep those attachments. <laughs> we, we try. Yeah. To, to, well, I, I mean, they're in Korea. It's, it's, yeah. not, it's not like they're down yeah. the road. How, how, do you guys, how do you guys talk about the Korean foster family? I mean, do you bring that up for Gideon? Do you tell him, share about who they are in the, in, as you talk to him? Yeah, I think it, it almost makes it a little bit easier in some ways that they're in Korea because um, in, in a very real way, like they're, they're not a threat. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's maybe a weird word to use, but I think, I think adoptive families can, can sometimes feel like any previous parent in their child's life yeah. is, is a, you know, they still have a piece of their heart or, oh, maybe they'll, they'll decide they love them more. Um, so that's, that's, not a that's not a concern of ours because they're half a world away um but even if even if they were close by they're such wonderful people yeah. um as Gideon Doma and his appa 
and so <clears throat> we keep we keep in touch with them. Uh, there's a Korean texting app that we use. Um, <laughs> they don't speak any English at all. So, and we don't obviously speak Korean. Um, so there's a we have if a couple. You didn't know Brian is white <laughs> and from Kentucky, so he does not speak Korean. Yeah. I guess that's not obvious on on the radio. <laughs> on the you, you've got to tell me there's been at least one time where you said something like categorically dumb because translation was just not good. <laughs> it, well, I, it's almost a guarantee because not the Google Translate from Korean into English sometimes makes no sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure some things have come across the wrong way, but she they have been gracious to us. Um, but we also have some Korean friends who, who are, who've been gracious to translate for us and oh, then we good. know it's it's accurate <laughs> it is what they actually said but it, it also means that we're able to send pictures and keep them in the loop of you know Gideon's growth and when he's when he first started talking or when he first started you know running and um, so they they get to see kind of these these milestones happen in so, real time yeah. from from a distance and then uh, they they'll send pictures of themselves or birthday gifts or, or Christmas gifts um, or super cheesy Korean GIF gifts. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they love they love those. <laughs> As do we. Yeah, all. seriously, who uh, doesn't? Love who doesn't love specifically good. super cheesy Korean gifts? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's dot com. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag not a sponsor. <laughs> totally, totally true. Um, so you, they hand you this toddler, and you guys get home. What what did you what do you feel like you learned when you first kind of just jumped into this and start being being a dad for the first time? Because uh, you it, it, you didn't say it in your story, but you guys had not had kids before, right? This is your first first kid coming to your home, and it's a toddler. And um, so, what did what did you learn? What did you feel like you experienced in jumping into to being a dad for the first time? I think one of the biggest shocks was like holy cow, this kid's not going away. Like I I had babysat before, right? But at the end of the day, you, you return them to their parents, right? Or, or nieces and nephews. Like you, you play with them for a while and then they go away. And what you're saying, Brian is it's exhausting. Yes. There is no downtime. The moment when you hear somebody crying and you're like, Oh, Oh, I have to, I, I'm, I'm it. Yes. That's me. That's I'm, that's I'm clocking in. Yeah. And I never got to clock out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. And there's no clocking out either. (laughs) So that was, yeah, just the practical, like, wow, I am the only thing standing between this child and starvation or, <laughs> or, you know, it, it, yeah, it's the responsibility piece was, was kind of a shock. I think, um, even seeing a little it coming, bit of, you feel bad for them too. Cause like, at least I did this with my children. I'm like, Oh, I'm responsible for your safety. Stinks for you. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I think that was, that was a piece of it for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think, there were so many new things yeah. all at once that it was hard to tease apart like where one stopped and one started. Like we don't speak the same language. This kid, um, he eats strawberry Yoplait yogurt and that is it. <laughs> and it, 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 at some point you it's at least a good choice. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag not, not a sponsor. <laughs> like I'm just saying, there's a lot of sponsorship opportunities just in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just think about the future possibilities. <laughs> we would be happy to talk about YoPlay every week if you wanted us to. I feel like we already funded that company because he still, he still only eats YoPlay yogurt. Yeah. Um. So technically, Joy Your Family sponsored Sponsor. in part by YoPlay. YoPlay sponsored in part by the Troyer family. 
I think we latched onto things like the yogurt. Like, oh, okay, I can do yogurt. That is yes. something that I can do. I can give this kid spoonful after spoonful of this stuff, yeah. and I am taking care of him. Um, but I, I think we, again, both of us, we have some familiarity with like, hey, here's some of the challenges that come with, with this experience. Um, I think being able to see some of those as they happened and recognize what it was was, was really, really important. Um, and we still felt very overwhelmed, but I think we at least had a context for what was happening. Um, and I think we latched on to just the, the practical, like, what, what can I do right now? Like, I don't have to, you know, plan out the next five years of this kid's life. Yeah. Like for today, how can I be the best, you know, attachment figure at that point? Like I, I wasn't dad yet. Right. I was this random white guy that showed up that smells different and <laughs> looks different and, is is just not part of his normal life yeah and so seeing it i think as a an opportunity to grow into the dad role mm. <clears throat> excuse me in his life to grow into the dad role in his life instead of just assuming that i had that clout already mm. i think that was important man that's good yeah. like that growing into that role in that way and i think feeding him spoonful and spoonful of yogurt is doing it it's the thing that the tiny baby cries and you feed them. They cry and you rock them. They cry and you do that cycle again and again and again and again and again for a kid. And when a child enters your home that doesn't know you, whatever you can do to provide a basic need for them is creating that, is repeating that cycle. And that's all hardwired into us that that's what we want uh, um, is for someone to respond to a need that we have. And so, yeah, that's, that is, that's how you establish the role. You got your, you got your pointer for today. If you're listening, foster adoptive dads, like establish a role and show up and feed them yogurt. There you go. <laughs> that's your lesson for today. I got to say that the most encouraging thing from your story is that I know that you are a, a family and, and child psychologist, like, or therapist. I don't know what your exact title is. I, I know what you did. Yeah, I did. I did. It's okay. I have no letters after my name. So I, I don't know. Like everybody else here does. Yeah. So I'm just here without a letter. But I know that you have those letters. And it's really encouraging to me to hear you be like, I don't know what I was doing. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. There is no book you can read. Do you hear that, honey? Stop asking me to read a book. Okay. <laughs> I guarantee you Amber has not listened this long into this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, somebody will they're gonna tell her yeah I, I, <laughs> she's I got humili allies humility is the other piece like yeah. if you can walk into this thing with the humility of like I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm just gonna try it and see if it works see if it sticks for this kid and then when it doesn't I'm gonna try something different and that's I think that's great I think humility is a good word too because it was any any semblance of oh I know what I'm doing yeah. I, you know I have the education like it went straight out the window like yeah. it is much 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 harder said than done Easier said than done. And, and <laughs> harder even, said than done. <laughs> harder said, whatever. Yeah, something like that. I haven't slept in two and a half years. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I've only eaten yogurt for so long, I can't remember. Help me. <laughs> and I like, I mean, that, that, whole, that whole idea of, yeah, it is easier said than done. And like you said, the humility side. Man, the number of times that I've, I know the minute that I start thinking, you know, I think I'm really kind of figuring, oh, shut up. That's, I'm not figuring it out. I'm don't, yeah. no, do, do yeah. not, do as not. As soon as you say that. Yeah, you are jinxing it. 
Because I guarantee you, as soon as the thing that you tried works, then it doesn't work. Yep. Yeah. Because then kids change. Mm-hmm. Like they grow, they change, and the thing, the strategy you had that was perfect doesn't work anymore. And, and then you like, find out they've been throwing that yo play yogurt away for six months and they never told you. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, my grandma still gives me popcorn at Christmas, even though I don't like it. <laughs> wow. My mother used to make pot roast every time I came home. Like from the time I went away to college to like, I, I was home with my wife and I was like, Mom, why do you always make pot roast? It's your favorite. No, I hate this. He's like, but you always eat it because I'm nice. Because <laughs> I, because, because I'm, you put it on the table and yeah. nothing else here, so I'm going to eat this. Uh, yeah. It's, so, yeah. I get it. <laughs> oh, so funny. So funny. Uh, Brian, this is, man, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for sharing your story with us. I hope. If you're listening today and you're starting the journey and thinking about international adoption, I hope you heard a little bit that's helping you think through what is this journey going to look like. And it is, it's very different country to country and program to program and things change over time. So don't, don't take Brian's story as the absolute path of how yours will go, but uh, hopefully it's encouraged some folks to think about getting started. And hopefully if you're listening to this and you're already well in, in the road, you've been encouraged to keep going at it and, uh, and keep living into that dad role. I love the way you describe that of how can I become that figure and become that role and not assume that I have that thing for them. That's just a great, a great thought. Um, and on that powerful, wonderful note, I think we should tell some more dad jokes, more dad jokes, because (laughs) that's the way we like to end it here is to leave you with a, with a good laugh. So do you have one to kick us off, Greg? I don't know about dad jokes so much, but just listening to all of this stuff, like, I mean, all of the different experiences and whatnot. A friend of mine, they suggested that, you know, we should sit down and through this experience, just write a book about all of this. I was like, yeah, it's a novel idea. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't even think I thought you were going to say something so nice. And then you, you went and did that. It's what about the novel? history of our relationship makes you think that was serious? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I, have, I, got, I got one for you. Uh, what do polar bears and plumbers have in common? Come on now. They both want a good seal. Oh, I was getting there. Uh, <laughs> it's, nice. That's a pretty good one. Uh, I don't know if I've got another one. I had a time traveling joke, but you guys didn't like it. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That was a, that was a, that was a, yeah. I, I'll tell you this. I, I like to imagine that the guy who invented the umbrella was going to call it the brella. But then he hesitated. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) That's good. That's good. That's good. Thanks for listening to the Just a Fad podcast today. Whether you're just getting started or have been on the foster or adoption journey for years, we hope that you got something encouraging or inspiring from our conversation. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And we would love to hear from you. You can send us an email at justafadpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about some topics that you want us to talk about, share a dad win from your family, or just send us a dad joke. You can really tell that we like dad jokes. Special thanks to our intrepid sound engineer, Chris Millett, who made sure that we don't just sound like Ricky Bobby with a podcast here. And until next time, this is Just a Fad.